You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. It's hour one in this Thursday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Got some good news yesterday for people hoping the NBA will be back this season. We'll talk about that coming up. Chris Collinsworth, the great analyst for Football Night in America. Sunday Night Football will join us coming up in a little bit. Denny Hamlin, who had a win last night, NASCAR, night racing at Darlington. Denny uh, got the checkered flag. He'll join us a little bit later on as well. We'll talk about Dak Prescott and the uh, reported five-year $175 million deal that is on the table. And what my thoughts would be for both Dak and the Cowboys. That's coming up. The NBA is expected to announce a plan soon that the sport could be back sometime in July. Maybe they're going to play out the rest of the season at a single location like Orlando. I'm going to take you back a couple of days ago. We had Adrian Wojnarowski on and I asked him about that possibility. And this is what he had to say. Now, when you're talking about site or sites, are we talking about Vegas, Orlando? Uh, are those the two sites that are in uh, conversations? That's right, Dan. And uh, Orlando has had a, a lot of traction. And uh, I, I think the question is going to be, um, you know, are they going to put all the teams in one place? Are they going to perhaps have teams moving um, among two sites based on an Eastern Western Conference scenario but uh the one thing adam silver has told the players and told the owners what he doesn't want are teams flying around you're not going to see what baseball's proposing which Mm -hmm. is teams moving around playing in home stadiums the nba is focused on a one site no fans uh and then they're going to deal with trying to get back into arenas again buildings again for the start of next season Okay, so that's Woj talking about Orlando. There's also the chance that Vegas would be for the Western Conference playoff games and Orlando would be for the Eastern Conference. Nothing's official, but that's on the table. The NBA and NHL face a different set of issues than Major League Baseball or the NFL. Because basketball and hockey, the 2020 season has a clock on it and it's ticking fast. How do you finish a season that was put on hold over two months ago? And the first key is keeping everyone safe. And once they figure that out, how do the players get in shape? How many games to get ready? And then what do you do about the remainder of the regular season? You can complain about the details if you want, but right now everything has to be measured against the alternative, which is no basketball or no hockey. And we're still waiting to find out what college football is going to do. The NFL has some time here. Major League Baseball, we've... uh, You know, certainly had some discrepancies in the reports. There's some animosity going on between the owners and the players. You got college football and one of the more powerful athletic directors, Ohio State's Gene Smith, said that college football is working on a plan. And this is to fill one fifth of the stadium with social distancing. So Ohio State, the horseshoe has about 102,000 fans. I think it's the third largest stadium in college football. You're going to have about twenty to 22,000 fans, and you're going to have social distancing there. How do you come up with the twenty to 22,000? And do students get to go to games? Is this season ticket holders? Do you have a lottery for this? Is there seniority with this? These are just some of the questions that uh, college football is facing right now. The Big 12 commissioner came out and said football players may have to be tested every two to three days. But what about the non-student athlete? How often is he or she tested 
frequently. So Bob Bowlesby is the Big 12 commissioner. And he said that if these football players, uh, they're going to be needed, uh, needing to be tested for the uh, COVID-19 probably every two or three days to bring the sport back safely. I don't know if we're going to get to the point where can we have students and is that window of opportunity for the fall semester going to go up to Thanksgiving? And then that's it. The students will go home for the winter break, Christmas break, winter break, and they won't come back until after January. Then you could maybe put the football season in Thanksgiving till the end of the year. These are just things that are being proposed right now. But there is progress. The one thing, though, that should be pointed out We're not sure about NBA or Major League Baseball or the NHL. You know, with college football, those athletes don't have a say. They don't have a union. There's no players union. And that's why when Chip Kelly was on yesterday, and I encourage you, if you didn't hear the interview, I thought he was really, really good. You know, you can go to danpatrick.com. You can hear all of our interviews here in the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave. But, you know, he's talking about, yes, my play. I said, you know, what kind of voice do the players have? He said, yes, we're going to talk to them. We have been talking to them on a regular basis here because it feels like they don't have a say and they don't have somebody who is speaking for them. And I don't know if that's going to create any friction in the next couple of weeks, maybe next couple of months, depending on where we go, where we go with this virus. But these are just some of the things that are on the table right now. It feels like there's more progress here. We're looking at starting dates of maybe June 1st for college football. The NFL slowly bringing people back. Baseball still trying to get out of its way here. It would help if people in Major League Baseball's home office stopped leaking all of this information here. It's not helping. It's hurting. And if somebody wants to come out and say, hey, here's a document, here's an email that says the Players Association knew exactly what we were going to do with the money. Payments here. What we had to do because we were not having fans in the stands. All of this, Major League Baseball has a real problem because somebody is leaking all of that information. Look at the NBA. They're not leaking anything, haven't heard anything. Because their Players Association and their commissioner and their owners are in unison here. And that's what it's going to take. Football feels like there is unison there. Major League Baseball, that is fragmented. And that can lead to disaster here. And not that baseball is in a tenuous situation, but, you know, baseball is not what it once was. It's the importance is not there what it used to be. And it's still, you know, obviously a huge revenue-producing sport, popular sport. It's not America's pastime anymore. And I think that they have to understand, let's keep everything in-house so we don't have loose lips where people are going, I'm, well, look at these spoiled players. You want to have public sentiment. And the players don't have public sentiment. And that doesn't mean that they're wrong. They don't have public sentiment here. The NBA has been quiet. That's what you need. Quiet. Behind closed doors. It's been three weeks since we've really heard anything. And Woj is the one who brought this up about them playing in Orlando. We'd heard it before, and Woj doesn't speculate. He may say, I'm hearing, or this could happen. Uh, Woj has information. And that's why when he said it, I believed it right away. Orlando makes a lot of sense if they can do this. 
And if you have Vegas involved, that way I cut down on the travel with the Western Conference teams. And that's what you want to do. It makes sense to have Vegas and Orlando if you can do a one-stop shop. I think that's the key. This program brought to you by LegalZoom. They made it easy to set up the right estate plan without leaving your home. Take care of your family today. The right estate plan at LegalZoom.com. Play of the day, stat of the day, poll question. McLovin, what do you have for me? Okay, do you care if the NBA cuts off regular season games as a fan? Yes or no? I don't. At this stage, no. Now, if they want to eventually look at how long the season is next year, now, do they, do they reduce the games next year? Because the NBA season next year is not going to start on time. You might have it reduced to 70 games. But if I'm an owner, hey, I got to recoup my money here. And I was looking at the numbers of the Golden State Warriors, you know, making how many million dollars every home game. And this is a team that won't be in the playoffs this year. So you lose out on that revenue this abbreviated season, and then next season's going to be abbreviated. These are all things that are going to be factored into this, but if you want to lop off, you know, you want to let them play five regular season games to get ready for the postseason, that's more than enough for me. Yeah, McLevin. Some people are saying, though, that cuts out the legitimacy of the season and the playoffs. Even though other sports have shortened their season, like the NFL and MLB have shortened seasons and no one cared. But but I... I just want to make sure they're ready for the postseason. That's all. If you're ready for the postseason and it takes five games, then great. You know, once again, we go back. Nobody ever, ever mentions, you know, the Spurs won a title in the strike-shortened season. That No one has ever brought up an asterisk. The only reason why they're bringing up an asterisk this year is if LeBron James wins the title. That's it. If Kawhi wins, nobody's saying asterisk. It's LeBron James. That is it. What else do you have, McLevin? Okay, uh, if you're an NBA player and you weren't in playoff contention, would you want to go to Orlando? Because a lot of people are saying that it's restrictive to keep players in one city for this long period of time. I just need to know. I, I need to have more information there. Uh, these guys have already gotten paid, I believe. I believe they're getting paid through May 15th. But if it means I'm get, I, I need to go to get paid, then I, I would go. I am actually worried about guys who are on like bottom dwelling teams. Like, are they going to want to sit in Orlando for a matter of weeks? They might after being quarantined, they might be like, Hey, it'd be great to go out and play some basketball. And how long are you going to be there? If you're playing five games, are we talking, you know, 15, 15 days that you're going to be there a little bit longer? I think, I think that's survivable. If that's a word. Uh, what else do you have in club? Okay, I got a college football question. Yeah. Uh, if you were an Ohio State fan, would you rather watch the game in the parking lot of the shoe on a TV or would you rather watch in the comfort of your own home in the fall? Because so many fans might be locked out. Even if they have 20,000, that's 80,000 who normally would go in the stadium. What's the ideal situation there? Well, I don't know if they're going to allow tailgating because – I, I don't I, I don't know how Governor DeWine is going to go, hey, social distancing in the parking lot? And, and can you have that for tailgating? There's so many questions we have. And I know I'm always Danny Downer here. All I'm doing is asking questions that feel like they need to be answered at some point. And you're going to have football fans going to tailgate. And can you keep them out of the parking lot there when they go to tailgate? 
And if you're going to go into the game, who who gets to go in? Students aren't going to get to go in. Yeah, McLovin. In normal times, how do you answer that question? Have you ever been a guy who stays out at the tailgate? No. No. I, I, a lot. I, I stay out there for a little longer sometimes. When I went to Ohio State, Michigan a couple of years ago, we had a great setup. And it was tough to leave that setup because you had everything there. You had food, you had beer, you had a big screen, and, and there were quite a few people out there. But when you start to hear the ambiance inside, that's really what you're there for. And then we went inside, and then once it started to be a blowout in the game, we went back out to the tailgate and then uh, stayed there until you know they closed up shop. What else do you have, McLevin? Is it fair to ask college players to come back starting June 1st, or is that completely unfair? Where do, how do people stand on that? I don't know how they stand. I think that you're going to have public sentiment saying, hey, come back, but we're not as concerned about that student athlete here. And, and I, they just don't have a voice. And they probably have to come back to keep their scholarship. And, uh, you know, I, I think it puts them in a precarious position. Yes, Eden. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say is that they're oh, they're almost held hostage now by that scholarship. Yep. That, well, if you want if you want your scholarship, you have to come play. Yes, Paulie. Going back to the tailgate thing, that's a big quandary when you go to the games with people. Some people want to stay in the parking lot and, and making it in for kickoff is not a big deal. Yeah. I'm a, more of a true college football fan. I try to get to the tailgate as early as mathematically possible. So when it's time for kickoff and you start hearing the band play and you see 12 o'clock or 3 o'clock, let's start making our way in. You know, but I'll, I've gone to a lot of tailgates with my wife and other people, and they're like, eh, we're going to hang out here for the first quarter. I'm like, eh, that's tough. All right, we'll come up with a poll question. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. You can watch on youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. We're on 362 radio affiliates, including the Fox Sports Radio lineup. Powerful Fox Sports Radio lineup. Chris Collinsworth will join us in about 10 minutes from now. Denny Hamlin, NASCAR driver, fan of the show. Still some bad blood with Horace Grant and Michael Jordan. That's not going away. And we have an update. We have an update for you about who was or maybe who wasn't one of the main sources for Sam Smith's book, The Jordan Rules. Because that's still kind of lingering here. That's simmering here. There's some bad blood here going on. Scottie Pippen uh, reportedly uh, really upset with Michael Jordan and how he was portrayed in the last dance. I don't know if Scottie was going to do well in the last dance when you come to think of it. With everything that happened with Scottie, you know, he was a great wingman. And Michael said some nice things, but then he also said some things that were pretty tough for Scotty to hear. We revisited Sitting Bowl, where he decided he didn't want to go back in for a playoff game. When Tony Kukoc hits the shot, uh, there was a bad contract. There was greed. There was a lot going on with Scotty Pippen. And the fact that he wouldn't change anything if he had a chance to go back to change that, I'm going to sit out and not go in for the final two seconds. There's nobody that Scotty can blame for that. That's on Scotty. 
right. Uh, phone calls, always welcome. We'll get a poll question here. We'll talk some football with Chris Collinsworth. And uh, 17 after the hour, take a break here on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This show is brought to you by Mercedes-AMG. Be prepared for whatever comes your way. It's the all-new GT four-door coupe. Life is a race. Visit your local dealership for a test drive today. If you miss any interviews this week or any week from the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave, go to the Dan Patrick Show app. Watch and listen from inside the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave. Mercedes-AMG driving performance. We'll make way for Chris Collinsworth coming up here in a moment. Seth in Pennsylvania leads us off today. Hey, Seth, what's on your mind? Dan, Danette, I've been there from the beginning and never called. So 5'11", 170. Why'd you wait so long, Seth? Uh, well, this is actually, um, well, let me, just, let me just say this first and then I'll tell you. Okay. The reason I'm calling in today is two years ago on May 21st, Todd Fritz was preparing section row seats for its world premiere at Caroline's that evening. Okay, I'll keep this short. Okay. My girlfriend and I were actually in the audience that night. I tweeted a photo of, of me in front of the marquee for proof. We sat one table away from you guys, but I did not say hello because the timing did not seem right. And you had said all week that you did not want fans of the show there. But I wanted to try to help out Fritzy because <laughs> no one's made me laugh more in the last 13 years than him. And we were in the city celebrating my 38th. So it just kind of all lined up. As we all know, the set did not go that well for Todd. But for the show that night was pure gold. But the biggest laugh of the night for me, and Dan, you missed this because you left right after Joke Boy got off the stage. And I don't think this was ever mentioned on the show. But as soon as the next comedian was done, the room was quiet. And McLovin pops up and in classic McLovin fashion, knocks his drink all over the table, tries to clean it up, and then exits stage left. So thank you, McLovin, for making that $75 for those four drinks well worth it. And thank you guys for having the best show in the world. I'm a super fan. Well, thank you, Seth. And we'll let you know if we can get Fritzy back on stage again. Highly doubtful. He's a prideful man. He doesn't want to take jokes from Adam Sandler, David Spade, Rob Schneider, who would help him write his set. We'll get to uh, Todd here coming up in a moment. And uh, we're ready to make way for Chris Collinsworth, who's set to join us. Um, no, he's not there yet. Yes, McLovin. That guy was definitely at the stand-up because I ruined the whole table. But I think uh, I think you got Chris. Oh, we do. All right. Chris, you there? Dan, what's happening, brother? Hi, bud. Where are you right now? I am at Longboat Key, Florida, having a good time. I just got back uh, from a, about a 3.2-mile run, which I used to be able to do backwards in my sleep. Uh-oh. Now I feel like I've got heart palpitations. I'm sweating all over myself and just barely making it through. So <laughs> there you go. You remember when we used to be athletes, brother? We were lighting it up at one time. Oh, yeah. That was a long. The older I get, the better I was, Chris. <laughs> Tell me. Look at this. I even have a light. I've been doing so many of these Zoom things. Now I actually have something to you can help the cause a little bit. You got any memorabilia behind you? Let me see. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> if if I go into your house, do yeah. I know do I know that you played football? 
if you go into PFF, you know that I played football. So obviously we're, we're <laughs> we started that company on a shoestring budget. And so all of the decorations, thanks to my wife, Holly, were all stuff and crap and things that she did not want in her house. So she kindly donated to PFF. So all any and all memorabilia that I have is down there. And now it is literally embarrassing. I mean, it's like, you know, I've got my, 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 when I went to summer basketball camp, I won the layup contest one day. I got all that stuff, you know, so it's all over. That's what PFF is now. So. And uh, PFF is pro football focus. What was the goal when you started this? I, well, you know, I didn't start it. A bunch of guys in England were actually Neil Hornsby and the guys are the ones that actually started it. And, and I just literally was looking for help online. They wanted me to do a post-game show on NBC. And I said, well, hey, that's a great idea, except I never see any of the games other than the one that we're doing on Sunday night. I may, you know, have it on in the background, but I'm studying all day trying to get ready for our game as well. So I start looking around and I find these sheets and, and color-coded things that PFF put out. And so I plug in twenty six ninety nine, and I say, okay, blah, blah, blah. And I said, this is pretty good because I'd done a bunch of these games recently. So I type in the little, you know, contact us thing. I said, who the hell are you guys? And I figured it was a bunch of coaches or something like that. And so about three minutes later, this guy, Neil Hornsby, calls and with this British accent. And he says, oh, it's Neil Hornsby. I can't do a British accent. It's Neil Hornsby. You know, it's so nice to meet you, Chris. And all I can think is this SOB just hustled me out of $26.99. I'm so out of my mind, mad. I can't stand it. <laughs> so I said, this is going to last about 15 seconds. So I start firing off questions to him about, you know, linebackers and guards and kickers and things that no way he's going to, this Brit knows anything about, right? After about five minutes, I have shut up and just started listening. <laughs> this guy knows way more about football, knows way more about the league, knows way more about everything than I do. And I said, who in the hell are you? And they had this internet band of brothers put together about 11 of them that was, they, they just, they, they found American football interesting, started when all the online stuff started back in the, you know, in the early 2000 and the 90s. And, and I and they had 11 or 12 teams that were paying for their services at the time. Uh, it's just one of the most incredible stories that, you, that you'll ever hear. And uh, now it's, you know, all 32 teams and 70-something college teams and the networks, and it's been pretty fun. Uh, PFF recently simulated the 2020 NFL season. So there was 10,000... Uh, games or times that they they did this over and over and over what was the big headline that you took away from this simulated 2020 season that i have no idea what they're doing when they do that it was you know it it, it really is you know it's it's almost about the the gambling part of everything that goes on and so then you start going all right here's what the over under is for all these teams you know this is the, you know the pittsburgh steelers at nine and a half the Detroit Lions at six and a half. And so I started going down the list and I said, all right, I don't gamble, but I, I kind of, part of me, right? All of us would kind of like to, you know, we all look at these things and you go, oh, I know more about football than anybody. I can certainly figure this out. 
But I, I think the teams that, that I would be personally interested in against those numbers, uh, I, I like the Steelers at, at nine and a half. I mean, Ben returns. They had the 27th ranked offense last year. That's not going to happen again, right? A uh, team that led in sacks and takeaways. Uh, the Detroit Lions at six and a half with the return of Matthew Stafford. Uh, I, I think that that's a, that's a good opportunity because I don't know that the Green Bay Packers necessarily got better with what they did in the draft. You know, they've got a backup quarterback now. They've got people, but they didn't go get a receiver. They didn't go get a corner. They didn't go get somebody that could really help. Uh, the the Bucs at 8.7. So if Tom Brady gets them to nine wins, when's the last time Tom Brady didn't get a team to nine wins? You know, so he's got – we had Chris Godwin and Mike Evans as the number one and number six receiver in all of football. We know what their receivers were a season ago in New England. Now you add Grant to that mix. Um, what about and, and the-, the other one I, I think is the Dallas Cowboys. I love C.D. Lamb. I don't know if you got a chance to see any of C.D. Lamb. I, I, I have never scouted a guy in college football where my comment – so I go through and I watch about an hour on, you know, the top – 60 or 70 guys and my comments were always well in this game he broke this one he broke five tackles for his 70 yard touchdown in this game he broke six tackles for a 50 yard touchdown this game he broke five tackles for a 50 yard touchdown off the charts i think he's going to be a star yeah i thought he was the best receiver in the draft but i don't study it like you do and the scouts do but when you say break tackles, I don't even think they got close enough to tackle him, Chris. I think that they had – there needs to be a new category. It's not breaking tackles. It's actually eluding tackles because that's what C.D. Lamb did in the Texas game. It looks like five guys converge on him, and I don't know if anybody put a paw on him. I, I, it, it, it's ridiculous. You know, and, and the other thing is I think that we're starting to see um, some of these guys, so it's whoever won the Super Bowl, right? We're all going to copy them. If the 49ers had won, they'd all be doing these outside zones, two tight ends, you know, all that kind of stuff. But the Kansas City Chiefs won with Hill and Kelsey and Watkins, McCall Hardman, and they go out and get this Edward Solaire, who is a, an unbelievable guy. You're talking about somebody you can't tackle in the open field as far as a running back. Mm-hmm. He's unbelievable. But we talked about Tampa Bay now loading up a receiver. The Dallas Cowboys, Mari Cooper, Michael Gallup with C.D. Lamb. Emmanuel Sanders goes to New Orleans Saints with Michael Thomas. Uh, Stephon Diggs with John Brown and Cole Pease. I mean, you go right down the list. I think the copycat league right now is that we're going to go just load up with all these unbelievable playmakers. Running backs in the league right now are fairly interchangeable. So let's go get a quarterback. Let's go get some of these great wide receivers, and let's see what happens out there. But it is turning into touch football. I mean, it really is. It's turning into, all right, let's put nobody in the backfield and spread this sucker out and go throw it around. Or you've got the 49ers and the Shanahan style of play. Let's compact it like the Rams, like you saw with the 49ers, like you're going to see with the Green Bay Packers a little bit. And let's do the outside zone, the bootlegs, and and uh, the jet sweeps and everything off of that. He's Chris Collinsworth, NBC Sunday Night Football color analyst with Alan Michaels, Michelle Tufoya. Uh, a couple of uh, questions here. We'll breeze through them. Uh, Joe Burrow, start day one if you're the Bengals? Um, yes. I mean, what do you got to lose, right? I mean, <laughs> for a little bit, they're a little bit of your hometown team, too. Um, I... I there's something about Joe Burrow that I have liked from the beginning. And, and I tried to figure out what it was. And I was watching their center 
getting ready for the draft. And he's a nice player. I don't want to put him down at all. But he did, like, clean miss a few times in pass protection. That clearly was the weakest part of his game. Uh, and so Joe Burrow, so I'm watching him. I was really watching the center, but, of course, Burrow is behind him. And Burrow's ability to just step around some of these unblocked guys and make a little move and play. You know, Tom Brady's not fast, but if you watch Tom Brady throughout the course of his career, he has a nice little feel for what's going on in the pocket and can kind of step around that. And the other part of his game that I really like was he reminds me of my guy, Troy Aikman. Now, you know Troy, and Troy can be a little salty at times, right? Like, Troy's <laughs> never going to have a problem telling you exactly how he feels about anything. And, of course, with all the big personalities of the Dallas Cowboys back in the day, in the day with Jerry and Jimmy and everything that was going on, Michael, um, it, it really took that kind of no-nonsense guy to pull him out of the pit. I mean, don't forget, Troy Aikman's first year in the league, what, they go 1-15, in 15, yeah. something like that? Yeah. And so now you've got a guy, so I say throw him in there. I mean, let him learn on the job. Uh, they're going to be a little bit better. The offensive line, they had the first-round pick last year that never played for them. Uh, you know, they got better receivers at this point, signed T. Higgins. So, I, I mean, I think at this point you've got nothing to lose. And when you look in the league right now, Dan, what is happening is we have – and we're doing a lot of study on this right now. Eric Eager, a great guy at PFF, Dr. Eager – um, is taking a hard look at this thing. At what point do these rookie quarterbacks on their rookie wage scale begin to outweigh the greatness of some of these veteran players? So as we get into, you know, we've seen rookie quarterbacks, <clears throat> excuse me, going to the Super Bowl <clears throat> almost every year here lately. So, right, the, the cheaper quarterbacks allow you to have a better team on the other end of it. So let's say that Patrick Mahomes now breaks into the $50 million thereabouts category, which I think he deserves. Honestly, I think he's the future of the NFL in so many different ways. But as you begin to look at it and the comparisons that we're making right now is as you get into that gap of one player making that much money, as great a player as he is, is that the long-term solution to winning or is it the Lamar Jacksons and the Jared Goffs and all these guys who are on their rookie contracts that allowed you to have these other players on the team that really gives you a best shot to win some games? So is that what New England's doing right now? I don't know, but it's going to be interesting to watch. Well, that's why I have to look at Cam – not Cam – I'll get to Cam Newton – Dak Prescott's situation and say, is he worth this money? It, that I think he's a good quarterback. But do I get to the point where I say – I'd rather try to find a quarterback that I can have that five-year window, four-year window with a salary that, like Seattle did. You know, Seattle, when Russ came in, they got a break, and they were able to build that team. Dallas is at the breaking point, I think, because you spent all that money on everybody. And now Dak comes in and reportedly turned down five for 175. At what point? Yeah, go ahead. It's exactly the point. It's exactly what we're studying right now. And we, we, I, I'm saying we, I'm just going to throw out Eric Eager's name because it's really, he's the mathematician. Um, but, but that is exactly the line. And when we tried to break it down with just quarterbacks, right, the numbers came out very clear that if the rookie wage scales gave you an, a great advantage. But the clearer picture of what was really going on was the totality of everything within, within the league, whether it was, you had to add up the quarterback and the and the wide receivers and the offensive line and the tight end. We sort of left 
the running backs out for now, and we'll explain all that later. Uh, but when you, you begin to add up all of those categories, they sort of came out pretty close, right? They were like in the, you know, like Baltimore had a great advantage. So Baltimore with Lamar Jackson drafted late in the first round, had to pay very little to, for their quarterback position so they could load up. They could sign Clayus Campbell this offseason. They could do some different things. So they were more in the 30 to 35 million, something like that, uh, maybe even low 30s. But then most of the teams that had a quarterback were up in the 50 to $55 million range. So that means now if you come in and you're going to sign Patrick Mahomes for $45, $50 million, right, that scale is now going to slide up so high, what are you going to do? Right now they've been able to sign two tackles on the Kansas City Chiefs that can play, right? They have more wide receivers than they know what to do. They have Kelsey that, that is, you know, making good money. Chris Jones, you got to make a decision on on the other side of the ball. So at some point, you don't get to say, I'm just going to pay this guy. You've got to say, I'm going to pay this guy, and it's going to cost me this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. And that's the decision. Is that now it works as long as you have a Russell Wilson, a Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, you have somebody of that caliber. And the question for the Dallas Cowboys very clearly now, does Dak fit in that category? Yes or no. Would you sign Dak Prescott to that money? You know, I think playing quarterback for the Cowboys is a unique position. Uh, it takes a special person. It takes a big personality that can handle the sort of the weight of everything that comes with it, including Jerry as the owner, including all the, the media attention, including playing on prime time all the time. Um, and I think Dak is that unique leader. And, and I honestly, he okay. made a huge jump in my mind last year. I think he handles the pressure. I think he's plenty mobile enough in this league that I think is really making a bold move in that direction. I don't think the quarterback position will look anything like uh, what we were used to it 10 years ago, 20 years ago, pretty soon here. Uh, I think he's plenty mobile enough. He's a really smart guy. He can handle it. I would pay him in about the range where they're talking about now. But if it starts getting up closer to the $40 million or whatever plus, I'd have a problem just based on the math that we're doing right now. Where's the ideal place for Cam to land? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, the easy answer is New England, right? I mean, that's, that's where you, you look at Cam. And I think that Cam, Cam's a unique personality. I mean, he just is, right? He, mm-hmm. he likes the clothes. He likes the flash. He's, he's, a, he's an interesting character to talk with. Um, I, I always thought that um, a place like New England, where it just forces you to focus. Like, if I, if I wanted to play somewhere, and I played for Forrest Gregg my first couple of years in the league, and you're talking about being able to focus – <laughs> that guy, if he was coming down the hallway towards me, I, I turned around and went upstream. I just went, I did, I never even wanted to pass him in the hallway. And I think Belichick allows you to have that kind of focus. I think he needs to extend his game just a little bit. I think he has the physical tools to do it, but it'll take a lot of discipline. It'll take some humility to, to be able to sharpen the, some of his skills, especially now in light of the injury. Um, so if, if I had to say, I think that would be the interesting spot um, behind Stidham. I'll leave you with this. How does it go wrong for Tom Brady in Tampa? 
Um, I don't think it does. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I, I really like what they what they have going there. Um, but mostly because I think Tom Brady was handed a, a shorter deck at the wide receiver position for the last few years here. Um, and now he's got players there. Obviously, injury could come about. But I, I feel like the only thing that could maybe be a bit of a problem, especially now with Gronk on the team, in, in the short season, right? I mean, we're, we've got I, – I don't know how Carolina's going to put a football team together, new coach, new quarterback, new coordinators, and no time to be together. So maybe if they get off to a slow start in Tampa because they haven't had that practice time that they're used to having and it's a tough division and New Orleans gets the better of them, maybe that's how it happens. But I, I really am excited to watch Tampa this year. I, I just really am. I, I think that that entire city is going to be a buzz. I don't think Tom Brady has lost anything. Um, I shouldn't say hasn't lost anything. Of course, he's lost something. But I really feel like that they have the ability to come right out and, and play great football. And I do think he's, he has two good years in him. And Bruce Arians, as long as those two can figure out a common offense – where it's not Tom Brady and Gronk going, listen, we don't have time, Bruce, to put in everything. This is what I know how to run. I'm going to teach my guys how to do it. And somehow Bruce or Byron Leftwich or somebody, that causes a problem. But I just don't see that happening. I really don't. Good stuff, Chris. My best to Holly. And uh, thanks for joining us. Good luck with the uh, Pro Football Focus. Thank you, pal. Good talking to you, Dan. That's uh, Chris Collinsworth, Pro Football Focus. They uh, recently simulated the 2020 NFL season. And you can go to Pro Football Focus to check the results. We'll come back. We got our play of the day, some phone calls as well, and we'll settle on a poll question after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. And we were talking uh, during the commercial breaks about being flipped off and uh, (laughs) Seton had an incident. I had an incident too, where I'm on, I think it's the Van Wick Parkway leaving uh, JFK airport. And I'm with my two daughters and this guy wants to, you know, they want to merge in the New York merge. And I just like, I have, I was not having anything to do with it because it was just packed. And then I was like, Nope, Nope. Keep going back. You're not. And he just, he just found his way in stops his truck on the highway. That not, not, not slows down. No, no. He stopped his on truck. On a major New York highway. He stopped his truck and he got out. And my daughters were like, Dad, go. Dad, Dad, don't do it. Dad, Dad, go. And I'm going, first of all, I'm trying to get out of here. I'm not going to confront this guy. He's got a pickup truck and he probably weighs 270. And I did, all I'm looking for is, he, does he have a gun? That was it. Because, you know, if he's going to yell at me or bang onto the car or something, or as long as he doesn't have a gun, I'm okay. But he gets out of the truck and is walking back. It's bumper to bump, bumper. He's walking back. And my daughter's like, Dad, he's coming back. I said, and now I go, I'm scared, but I can't act scared in front of my daughters. And I just, now I, I have to ease over into the next lane. And then as I drove by him and I said to my, my girls, don't look at him. Of course, they look at him, and, uh, and I'm driving, and I said, did he say anything? He goes, no, he gave you uh, both fingers, Dad. I said, okay, and then we kept going, and then he was trying to catch up to me, and I was like, that ain't happening, dude. That ain't happening.
But yeah, both barrels. And part of me was kind of like, if you get one, one is kind of like, hey, come on, man. Double barrel. That's serious. That's real. That's an announcement of go time. One is like a standard operating procedure when you don't, when you get an incident <laughs> in traffic. Give them a little flip off and then you move on with your day. Yeah. Not good. Now, you know what I once had before? Uh, this guy was, um, I guess I can't give the finger on Zoom, can I? Uh, I it's kind of like a mini one. Anyway, okay. Right? All so right. Okay. There was this guy in the left-hand lane, right? And so he was uh, driving slower than I wanted him to. So I was behind him, and he was the kind of guy who drives slow in the left-hand lane and doesn't get out of the way. He doesn't move over. So I went around him, and when I pulled back in front of him and went around him, I could see his two hands on the steering wheel, and I just saw one middle. He never, His hands never left the steering wheel. Ten and I two. just saw that. One little middle finger. <laughs> and it's like he kind of he gave me the middle finger on the sly because he didn't want to do it in front of his wife and like embarrass himself. Oh, so he gave me the little on the on the steering wheel middle finger. <laughs> I respect that. I respect yeah. that. That's, that's responsible funny. bird flipping there is what yeah. that was. Yeah. Uh, Davis in Washington, D.C. Hi, Davis. Good morning. What do you have for me? Five one one oh five. How old are you, Davis? I am 10 years old. Oh, well, what's on your mind, Davis? Um, so I was going to, so I'm a big basketball fan, and I've been watching The Last Dance, and since I'm more of a Giannis person, I was wondering, do you think Giannis would be a matchup nightmare for Jordan? <laughs> well, thank you, Davis. Uh, yes, I do. But Michael would be a matchup nightmare for Giannis as well. <laughs> I'm going to guess Giannis, they wouldn't be covering each other. We're just, Giannis is what, 25? Who knows what Giannis is going to be like in five years from now? Scary to imagine. He starts to add a little more depth to his shot. Uh oh, everybody's in trouble. One hour in the books, two more to go.